0: I still don't get these uh, hot takes on my AJ. I will still fight anyone, anywhere,
1: anytime. Maybe not in tomato season or after 11pm, but... Uh, Yo, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Forbidden Technique podcast with your boys Christian and Silas. And finally, thank fuck, we've got some actually good MMA this year. Um, Some fights that aren't middleweights. although this main card does have two middleweight fights on, but there are also actually good middleweight fights. And we got Alexander Volkanovsky back... And Featherweight, defending his title against the surging Ilya Taporia. Absolutely fascinating matchup. Um, really good main card in general and some okay prelims that we might touch on. And um, Maybe we'll dedicate like five minutes to last week's fucking middleweight Apex shit show. Let's just get straight into it. Christian, where are you at with Alexander Volkanovsky?
0: Uh, I think he's probably still in his prime, even though... Uh he, he, like he got knocked out uh, physically at least i do wonder where he's at mentally a little bit because of the like he he's been talking a lot how he was he was drinking before the the mock fight the whole time cuz he's just bored like the inactivity's been killing him so so him like wanting this fight very badly uh it just feels like People are bringing that curse up, the the being 35 and at a lower weight class up too much. I don't think that's a factor. I think that he's just on the downswing as Tapuria's is on the come up, and it's one of those title fight changes. And Tapuria seems to be pretty fucking good, so it it's not like a, a tough sell for me that Tapuria just is the guy that could land the big shot. I find myself still wanting to pick Volkanovski, mostly because of things we'll get into. But, like, my initial thought is that Volk is just a little past it. Even though he's still maybe in, like, the end of his prime. Because, like, physically he looks as fast as ever. If anything, he's looked better physically his last few fights.
1: As you say, Ilya Teporia, it is just looks like he's the guy uh, definitely passes the eye test and had an absolutely fantastic performance against Josh Emmett. Um, as, performance, as good a performance as it was, Josh Emmett kind of like the perfect opponent to make Ilya Taporeo look like Canelo Alvarez. And there's not really any reason to expect that Volkanovski is uh, significantly diminished as a fighter from coming off of a knockout loss from clearly the pound for pound number one fighter in the sport, upper weight class on the super short notice, you know, shit happens. It's not like it's the first time he just got knocked out by someone bigger than him in his career.
0: Yeah. Something you, you got to wonder about Volkanovsky as well as what plan he's going to go into the fight with, because he always has a, like a very good plan, but as his skill sets gotten deeper, he has more options to what he can kind of integrate into it. So, I I just don't know what angle he's gonna try and come at Tapuria from because I think there's multiple ways he could win the fight or, or areas that he could could force the fight to be like I think pressuring would be a good idea because Tapuria's you know shown a good deal of issue going backwards he tends to overthrow his punches whenever he's trying to like throw check hooks and and such he is defensively pretty liable whenever he's moving backwards uh like most of the time that he gets. Uh, kind of beaten up in in fights throughout his UFC career, which has not been frequent. But anytime it has, it's been uh, in like the second or third round by someone just using a range tool at him and and getting him to move away. It could be the height, and then that's the thing Volk's not going to have uh, on Topuria, which because he almost never does. But he he should have a pretty pronounced advantage at range. Against Tapuria, so I don't expect uh, that that's a bad place for him to go. I think uh, also outfighting has a lot of upside against Tapuria. It's just it's a trade off of Volk is better going backwards, but Tapuria is better going forwards. So you you gotta wonder how Volk will will try to approach that.
1: Yeah, my thought was probably that Volk will concede the back foot in this fight, just because he really is an all terrain fighter who can fight whatever approach he needs to, uh, whereas Ilya Teporia is so dedicated to pressure and like really is always trying to enforce that directionality. Even though, as you say, even though the fight's absolutely winnable from that angle uh, for Volk, uh, I do agree. It's probably harder to push Ilya Teporia back, but his game falls apart a lot more if you can like actually force the fight in that direction um even though i think volk off of the back foot is like one of the best fighters in the sport about being able to command initiative over exchanges while moving backwards and while letting people lead because because he just like really steadily takes away uh, people's tools um with his feints and his jab and his low kicks and his counter punching to where he's he can kind of just like force people to make the entries that he needs to just beat the fuck out of them on the counter. He can absolutely play that game against Ilya Teporia. It's just that Ilya Teporia, as you say, his mechanics kind of fall apart a bit when he's moving backwards and his defense in general because uh, Ilya Teporia just doesn't like move sideways very much. He'll cut
0: a diagonal, but that's about it.
1: But you see in that Josh Emmett fight, while he looks like really sharp defensively, it is mostly just like pulling straight back out of range, pulling his head straight back, which is fine. You can do that. It it was the perfect thing in that fight to just be able to make Josh Emmett uh, repeatedly overthrow and miss and then be in a really bad position to be getting hit back because Josh Emmett um, will absolutely concede the back foot and will wait his turn and try to scare people off with huge power and if you can deal with that then you know then Josh Emmett Josh Emmett's game really does fall apart volk is not josh emmett
0: yeah depuria uh, pretty much just did what calvin cater did to defend against uh, josh emmett or really anyone that successfully defended against josh emmett's blitzes and that is Put your high guard up and move straight backwards because he'll eventually just, like, stop punching you. And also, he just punches the guard a lot, and uh, just he just has a good command of range. He has a good sense of, of how far away he is, so he was able to get his body out of the way of a lot of the shots. Also, there was parts where he, like, framed on the head or used the jab to to stifle uh, an approach. I, I do think that Tavaria is is like a pretty okay game plan in his zone, right? Even though, the, you know, some of them leave a little bit to be desired, like the Bryce Mitchell fight.
1: Yeah, when asked what his uh, game plan was for the Bryce Mitchell fight, his reply was, take his head off.
0: Yeah, I think he does tape. I don't think he necessarily game plans, I, I guess I should say. Uh <laughs> He pays attention to what to do against his opponents and he does come in with things prepared.
1: Yeah, but they you know, they like more specific tactical things. He pretty much fights everyone the same way, you know. I guess just the big development that everyone wanted to see out of Taporia in the Josh Emmett fight was just a uh, way more ability to gradate his power and uh, rhythm. There was a lot less just. And maybe that was something he was always able to do and just didn't feel the need to do against like Bryce Mitchell because he was just like, oh, I can just walk up and kill Bryce Mitchell. It's really no problem. Um, But he was way more um, willing to just actually throw punches at like 60% and not have everything be a kill shot against Josh Emmett. Uh, Really good at uh, just steady methodical pressure behind the jab to draw out the big overcommitted swings that he could counter.
0: Yeah, where, where where I'm at on Dupuria is that he has a really good A game, and when he doesn't get that, he is uh, like pretty dramatically worse, but he's good at preparing for specific things that his opponents are good at to kind of mitigate that.
1: Yeah, this is the... It's very hard to take away his a game you know? it's
0: yeah it, it, that's uh crucial to his style working is that it, his a game is incredibly difficult to take away he's he's got a lot of tools uh in a lot of depth within his his a game so he can be doing it and in, in be really many different uh like aspects of the fight. he can punch really fucking hard he can counter really well he's he's got a fucking he's got great eyes he's got a really good sense of distance. Uh he's freakishly strong he's uh got a very good sense of of timing for takedowns and counter shots alike so all of that works really well into his a game but I think that Volkanovsky has more than all the tools needed to to take away his a game and also enforce his own like b game. He doesn't even have to go too deep into his own uh repertoire to be able to like beat the shit out of Tapuri if he gets Tapuri going backwards. Tapuri is much worse going backwards. Uh, his defense kind of is, is like put up a high guard or, um, or you know, get his head out of the way and try and counter back to, to stop you from pressuring,
1: but uh, just try and slide back.
0: Yeah. And, and Volk has, uh, he's fucked up like Chad Mendez going forward. He mostly pressured Chad Mendez and uh, essentially broke him by the end of it. And, you know, there there's many difference between the two, like Chad Mendes and Iliath Puria, but there's also some similarities. Is that or? Uh, yeah, there's there's some similarities. They both are units that have a history of gassing if the fight goes uh, pr- like at a pretty hard pace for a couple rounds or at that point Chad Mendez did uh at least and they're they're good wrestlers but it's kind of neutralized by the fact they're probably not going to have much grappling success at all against Volk.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't imagine so. Um and you know Chad Mendez did drop Volk
0: kind of and it was when he got Volk going backwards if I remember correctly.
1: Yeah, I mean I do I, I do think Volk kind of generally prefers fighting taller fighters cuz he's really good at just like getting under people's shots to counter. Yeah, he
0: doesn't like fighting someone bigger than him, but he likes fighting someone taller than him, definitely.
1: Whereas, yeah, he he, he maybe sh- uh, showed some issues with uh, fighting another dude that's kind of like him in the Chad Mendes fight, even though he won it emphatically. And he's obviously gone a lot better since then. The thing is, Volk's defense, it's pretty good because he's got uh, great eyes and he's a very principled fighter. And as I say, he he's just often just like so ready for what his opponent is going to do but he does just kind of get like dinged pretty routinely and has just always had great recoverability and insane conditioning and is really good at adjusting kind of if you, if you ding him with something and then don't finish him you're not going to like hit him with that same shot again in the rest of the fight but you know he's just like he he's like human it's some sometimes he like uh, slips his straight and gets head kicked, or dips into an uppercut. Shit happens.
0: Yeah, when you when you look at things that Volkanovski has issues with, he does not like. Uh, I I don't think he likes people that can punch hard. Because if you look at the <laughs> Who peop- does? Well, yeah, f- uh, fair enough. It, admittedly, fair enough. It, it is always good uh, to have power in the matchup. Fair, but. I I think that he really – he does fight a bit differently whenever he's fighting someone that has power. I think that was the the main difference maker in the Islam fight or both of the Islam fights is that uh, Max Holloway, he wasn't too worried about getting hit hard. He just didn't want to get hit super clean, so he had to just not give up too many many opportunities to land a big shot. But because Max isn't a crazy hitter, he couldn't really just enforce uh, a big power advantage.
1: No, he really had to set shit up to hurt Volk in the second fight.
0: Yeah, and and Chad Mendez, he hits hard, but he does not knock many people out. He has a and especially at the point when he fought Volkanovski. Uh, it was his last fight. Yeah, it was his last fight in in the UFC. Um, and then the the Alda fight, Volk just kind of made sure that he no punches came at him. Uh so so that fight was like what I'm getting at is we haven't actually seen Volknovsky against all that many matchups uh that are actually kind of common like like he never was given a Jeremy Stevens test. He got the Darren Elkins route, you know. Never fought Josh Emmett, not Jeremy Stevens. He he went the the fighting to uh wrestle boxers route. So we we haven't really gotten to see Volk against someone that is roughly height parity and really good in the pocket, has a, a great sense of of uh, their positioning, and is slick with with follow up punches. Because body it, real good hits the body. That's another one. If you look at what things Volkanovsky is vulnerable to defensively you'll see a pattern of things that are really bad for you against uh, Iliath Puria. He has a problem against left hooks. Uh, there's been a number of times that someone's just gotten him with an, a nice timed left hook. Uh, he doesn't like uppercuts because what guy under 5'8 does? Uh, am I right, boys?
1: Yeah, sometimes he just Frankie Edgars himself. You
0: know? Yeah, he like he, he just gets uh, uppercuts sometimes because he also likes to duck and weave, and he'll duck into the uppercut and then weave into the left hook. Uh, so, like uppercut left hook is not great, uh, not a, a good feeling for him. Uh He doesn't like whenever someone can step in on him. He really doesn't like whenever someone's able to just close the distance and and hit him hard. Uh Because he he likes to to kind of slow your your ascent. He doesn't want you to get into range really fast. He, he wants to make you have to build your way in so that he can punch you out of it. Uh. And he, he really doesn't like head kicks, which probably won't come up too much in this fight. Uh, especially he doesn't like southpaw head kicks. And, and I just don't expect to be like, oh, I'm fighting Volkanovski. Let me pull up my left head kick.
1: <laughs> yeah, it would be the most stupid MMA adjustment I've ever seen. <laughs>
0: I will say, though, I've, I believe I've seen him throw an okay left high kick from Orthodox.
1: I'm sure he probably can throw one just fine, you know. He,
0: he should throw it up a little bit just to, like, remind him. But uh, also Volkanovski loves to guard with, uh, like, guard his chin over his body. And we have not seen him against a body puncher. So uh, we're, we've seen him against a body puncher. That's that's not fair. We've seen him against a body puncher in Max. And we've seen against a power body puncher in Aldo. But Aldo didn't hit him to the body, really. Uh he, like it was just an incredibly low paced fight. And Max is a very different type of body hitter to Tapuria. I think Tapuria might have the hardest uh body punches pound for pound in the sport right now. Maybe for like ever. He he lifts people into the air with body shots. And he's got like crazy leverage for it. He gets real low with it and scoops up. So I think that type of thing is just a fucking problem for Volkanovski because uh, he's a, a pretty reactive fighter. If you show him a new tool that he's he does not like, he tries to f- do something about it immediately. And Tapuri is pretty quick about trying to to pay get a payoff on setups. Like if he hits you to the body once real hard, he's probably gonna come for your head in the next like twenty seconds. He doesn't he doesn't leave a lot of gaps between it. He doesn't he doesn't show you something and then come back to it later. He shows you something and then tries to fuck you up immediately after. Uh he, he it was the most patient he's ever been in the Emmett fight, but even then he would he would just show something and then wait like forty seconds before getting the payoff and, instead of really like waiting for it.
1: Uh, here's the thing as Iliosaporia for anyone who can low kick good.
0: Uh, not particularly, no. But he does have a very strong base with his legs, and he likes to punch whenever people low-kick. He does disincentivize low-kicks pretty well.
1: He does, but he also just hasn't really fought uh, that many people who can actually enforce a concerted ranged kicking game against him because uh, they either like can't get the respect on it or... Uh, Are just generally getting beaten up in other ways. Like he did actually get like low kicked a good few times by Josh Emmett, and just didn't do anything about it because, like I said, he's always so fucking planted to try and get in a position where he can swing the biggest power shots possible. And he's like not that much of a kicker himself. Like he he can do it. He he also landed a bunch of low kicks on Josh Emmett probably just because he. Uh, watches tape and knows that Josh Emmett hates getting low kicks but he wasn't especially subtle about it. And the mechanics and speed of his kicks, uh, kind of ass compared to his hands. So I, just, I just, I'm not sure that he has that much of a plan for the low kicks, other than try and punch Volk really hard while he's on one leg, which could work. But it's, it's probably not the only thing you want to be coming in with against Volk. Yeah, I, I, he doesn't just like give those kind of things up for free, you know.
0: If I had to pick like two shots, or, or like a one, I'd be really combo. surprised
1: if he gets like Nasrat Hack press Drew Dober.
0: Yeah, if if I had to pick like two combos that are are going to be money for Tapuria, if if he sticks to them, it's uh, right straight to the body, left hook to the head. Great combo for him, and showing a left hook to the head to get Volk to weave under it, because he loves that one. And then coming in with the right straight as he he tries to reposture. Um, 'cause because v- Volkanovsky is a mark for both of those. Uh he he does not like when people are, are putting long shots on his body. And he he didn't like the body kicks that Max landed on him. That's the closest to, to seeing him really like kicked hard to the body we've seen. We saw uh Yair the first try some. Makachev
1: fight as well.
0: Yeah, the first Makachev fight I guess. Uh like he he doesn't really like kicks to the body and, and Tapuria does throw them, but I I don't expect him to I I don't expect that to be like a major note in the fight. I I think Imperia is probably just going to try and like box him and maybe throw some like kicks.
1: I think he's going to show kicks to um just show that he's not going to completely concede that range but i don't think it's going to be like an integral part of how he tries to beat volkanovski
0: yeah i i expect volk to get dropped at a certain point in the first couple rounds from getting put to the fence and then having a, a big follow up shot put on him because volk likes to bounce off the cage to retake the center he he likes to to try and like juke which direction he's going to go to try and in like sneak back towards the middle he he just gets put on the fence a lot and i i can't imagine that not hurting him at some point especially over the course of a like a up to 25 minute fight that we've seen temporarily recently go and uh his ideas for for finding out how to land power shots on guys that have a bit more co- like complex defense cuz Emmett has pretty okay defense I, I consider normally, uh, but it was just getting picked apart by Teporia because it's, it's it's not enough, you know, if you've got a lot of power. I mean, kind
1: of like Teporia, he just mostly uh, keeps it himself at a fairly responsible range where he just doesn't have to react as much to specific shots to be defensively responsible, um, and he scares people off with his power.
0: Yeah, I, I think Volkanovski being able to scare off Tapuri with his power would be an interesting dynamic. We haven't talked much about the grappling or clinching, but I I do think that that's just an unknown because we don't know how their strengths going to match up. Because I would expect Volkanovski to be markedly stronger, but I could be wrong. If Tapuri actually is like at strength parity or even stronger than Volkanovski, I do think he could get something done in the grappling. Not necessarily a submission or anything. I just think he could uh, off-put Volk enough to where he could, you know, establish the threat of it, make it make it a place he doesn't want to be.
1: Volk was kind of out-strong in Makachev, just getting beat on the feet. Definitely. Um,
0: I, I, I mean, to, to Puria, it wouldn't surprise me if he's just like a fucking like that much of a host, though
1: you know he gave up a takedown to bryce mitchell he did but i don't know he, i think he just has that kind of bad takedown
0: defense uh whenever he's not paying attention to it
1: uh, so it sounds like you're picking Elia Tapuria. so i i don't know a,
0: a lot of the the analysis for Tapuria is how he looked in his best performance that he might never do again whereas and also against a matchup that's very different. And a lot of the things that we infer as uh, ways that Tupuria can lose are ways that we've seen Volkanovski win. Like, we've seen Volkanovski go up to a guy that's, like, about the same height as him and just kind of beat the shit out of him, hang tough in exchanges, get hurt, fight back, and, and just beat the guy's ass. Uh, we, like, we we have way less questions to be answered about Volkanovski, but it does ask a few this matchup, uh, but I don't think it's insane to just assume that Volks able to navigate it. He, he like he he's built up as much goodwill as you can as a fighter when it comes to giving him the benefit of the doubt when I, when you're you're trying to think about what his game plan is going to be.
1: Yeah, I am going to pick Volkanovsky, uh by a decision where he probably has at least one hairy round where he gets hurt. And I think it's going to be a. I think it's going to be a close competitive fight, and um, I think Volt's probably just going to like win the last three rounds. But I think he's still got it in him. I think there's a lot of reason to be concerned for him in this matchup. Ilya Teporia is clearly a really good fighter and um, has a lot of avenues to success in this fight. I've just seen Volkanovski win so many fights so many different ways and Josh Emmett is such a good matchup for Ilya Teporia to look like that. Like It was a great performance but Josh Emmett waits his turn way too much. He lets people put him on the back foot and if he can't scare people off with his power he's kind of cooked. Volk has just got so many ways of dealing with that kind of fight but also I wouldn't be that surprised if he gets knocked out and if he does then over 35 curse is real.
0: Yeah, because traditionally the only people that uh, that beat that curse are bad, like uh, Tyron Woodley. But then if you go lower, there's no one there. I mean, I think if you include women,
1: Amanda Nunez, uh, and now Raquel Pennington,
0: uh, well, I think I don't think it's winning title fights. It's uh, it's defending a title.
1: I think it's just flat out winning title fights is the statistic. Maybe. Because, you know, the only people who have won title fights o- over that age are uh, middleweight and up.
0: Yeah, I, I think uh, I'm going to pick Tapuria because I like to pick uh, the person who I think is more likely to produce a knockout. And, you know, it, it's just it's nice to pick with the curse. It's fun to join the bandwagon. Then when he gets knocked out, I'm going to go on Twitter and call him an old bozo.
1: Okay, should we get on to the co-main
0: event then? <laughs> Yeah, we got uh, Paulo Costa fighting Rob Whitaker. It's
1: a fight that I have trouble with because the, the the more I've thought about this, the more I've realized how similar both of these fighters are in a fucking weird backwards-ass bizarro way and that they're both orthodox fighters that love open side tools because they've fought 100 Southpaw. They're actually better against Southpaws like most Southpaws are, but the other way around. Cause Rob Whitaker, he loves the one-two high kick, and it's just an easier path to that setup if the lead shoulder's not in the way. Paulo is more of a like uh open side body kick merchant. He can throw a switch kick, it doesn't have like as much mustard on it. They both like have good jab, but also kinda hate getting jabbed. Like, you know, Rob Whitaker has that really sharp jab and has great timing on it and can cover distance with it and he can double and triple up on it um but also he has a thing where he just regularly like just like joe benavidez is himself because he has to do a big blitz to like just get across distance to land some shots on people real quick and then get the fuck out the side door but sometimes he's just doing that shit like head straight online and has been routinely fucked up by people who just like kind of hold their hands out at him, got dropped that with a jab by Jared Cannonier and Driekas Duplessis and dropped with an elbow by Darren Till. That way, as Paulo Costa can uh, show a jab to get into exchanges while he's pressuring, um, but will also just kind of plod forward into the same jab a hundred times in a row and just constantly reset his feet and kind of get dog walked. So, this is a hard fight for me to pick because Rob Wicker just got finished and looked himself for spots in the fight, but overall I thought it looked like he was kind of on the downswing. And uh, Paulo Costa is an absolute space case and really inconsistent and looks like absolute dog shit against the ghost of Luke Rockhold. So uh, I don't know oh they've also both got a great left hook. they've both got
0: a great left hook.
1: Somebody is going to be getting left hooked while throwing a left hook in this fight
0: I'm expecting uh Whitaker to get check hooked at some point uh Costa it doesn't have like the best one, but he he does pull out like a a perfectly serviceable check hook sometimes.
1: one he dropped Yoel Romero with looked real nice.
0: Yeah, yeah, I feel like that one's just a bit of an outlier. Because that, that one makes it look like he has such a good one, but Yoel, like, like fucking speared his own chin on it. Uh, but But Costa hitting the body is just going to be something that if he gets to it of his own volition, then the fight will be a lot easier for him, and I think he wins pretty reliably. But... If he has to get jabbed up for a full round before he starts hitting the body, then I, I think he probably gets uh, attrition finished, maybe in like the second or third. But I I tr- I trend towards picking, uh, yeah, I think I trend towards picking Costa because he hates being jabbed, but he'll jab himself, and his hating being jabbed is more just it's a good attrition tool on him. It it uh it like hurts him whereas for Rob it's uh, it's more just you, you land a good one and then it completely changes the way he's fighting for the rest of the fight like it changes the demeanor and you don't even have to throw a hard one you just kind of put your jab in his face or like he missed times when he steps in and you accidentally jab him in the jaw like that's everything and he especially starts doing that if you're taking his his punches and then like taunting him or, or, or not doing anything about it and just eating the shots on your high guard. Uh, And although one thing that's pretty bad for Kostas, he's actually kind of head kickable. Uh, I remember Izzy got uh, a nice head kick on him that was not the type of head kick that Rob tends to land, but Rob has a really good throw, like, three punches to get your high guard up and then just kick you really fucking hard in the guard and try and, like, kick around it. And that's something that Costa's probably going to give up to him a lot.
1: Yeah, I'm probably just going to pick Paulo Costa by knockout out of, like, Sadness Hedge. Because, um, you know, I prob- probably think Paulo Costa on his best night is, like, a, a good bit better than Du DuPlessis, to be honest. Um, but how can I expect paulo costa to be on his best night ever but it it, is just like i I do think rob whitaker is on the downswing and uh, i think paulo costa is still uh, capable of being a very good fighter if he actually tries you know
0: i agree i think that costa being so fucking huge is just gonna pay off and and he's he's not gonna have to deal with too much of what rob offers Uh, and, and also I think that I, I know that the context of him getting hurt to the body against Strikas was like, it makes sense. Like most people get hurt to the body there, but it's the fact that I just never fucking see anyone hit him with the body. And then like the one time someone does, it finishes him. It's not like I'm picking someone bad to body shot, finish him. Yeah. Balo's a really good body snatcher and he's good at hitting people with like the exact shot Drikas got him with. Like, you get someone worried because you you pelted the shit
1: out of them, get them to turn their head and and not look at you, and then you just blast them real hard in the ribs. Yeah, I do kind of think it's going to be a war. Um, I think the only way it's not a war is if Paulo Costa just, like, turns up with the exact wrong idea, like, wine drunk, like, missing weight, uh, and just, like, has the Izzy fight. Because I wouldn't be surprised if he just plods into a million jabs in the first round and then kind of totally loses all of his confidence and has conceded way too much initi- initiative and just gets absolutely torched. Uh, but I think it's a lot more likely that he like gets his ass beaten into going into kill mode. He still might just like hurt Rob and then not get the job done and then gas and then just get torched for two rounds. But I, I kind of think it's just going to be like a, a, a one to one and a half round shootout where Rob, Rob is just, like, lighting Costa up early and then just kind of gets overwhelmed, you know?
0: Yeah, I'm going to pick Costa by uh, shoe shine in the body whenever Rob is, is curled up because he got his jaw broken because he headbutted a jab. I'm off the record. That fight is just the main event. yeah Rob is basically just Volk, but like much worse and Costa is basically pretty but much worse
1: uh okay, we got Ian Gary versus Jeff Neal. I'm seeing a lot of people picking
0: Gary. I think that's fair. Jeff Neal is uh pretty reliably pick against a bull uh if if he's fighting someone long and tall that's got good kicks.
1: Yeah, and someone who can outmaneuver him, someone who can like range bully him and stay on, stay on the back foot. I just kind of think that like Stephen Thompson is just like better at that than Ian Gary is.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm thinking that Ian Gary is. uh, He has a good amount of defensive liabilities, and Jeff Neal is fucking tough as shit.
1: Yeah, Jeff Neal has a ridiculous chin, and he is a really good counter puncher, it's just the fact that he relies on his counter so much that just like kind of got him tooled by Wonderboy. I guess there's like some similarities to Daniel Rodriguez in just like, like Southpaw boxer counter puncher guy. Um that said, I think Ian Gary's probably just going to be like, oh, I think Jeff Neal is Daniel Rodriguez. I'm going to try and head kick him. And uh, and Jeff Neal's going to be wise to that. And I just can't see you be getting, like, check hooked like that by Song Kanon and think that that's not going to happen against Jeff Neal and also think that if that does happen against Jeff Neal, he's not going to simply finish Ian Gary.
0: Yeah, I get what you mean. I, I think that Ian Gary gets finished if he gets hurt in this fight because Jeff Neal's just
1: a guy that's not going to let you off. Ian Gary likes to try and step in and make shit happen more than Wonder Boy.
0: And also, Jeff Neal, ha- there's like good reason to believe he'll probably be a
1: little bit more aggressive in this fight. Well, Because Ian Gary was talking shit. Like, like Ian Gary doesn't have a way too much ammunition against him right now.
0: Pretty much, uh, that and and the fact that there's a precedent of Jeff Neal like trying to just go up and kind of murk people that he's got he, he's been given an inch against, you know, because Gary could just put himself in a bad position with the, like the stance matchup, uh, because he he's generally pretty positionally sound, but uh, he'll put himself in in weird spots, moving backwards, trying to pull uh, like away for a shot, and. Just I, I. It's hard to explain, but in my head, the way that their stance matchup works out, whenever Ian Gary pulls back, a lot of the time, uh, the angle that Jeff Neal likes to take, uh, when he comes forward, is like exactly what what works against uh the type of pull counter that Ian Gary likes to do. He likes the like pull back right hand against southpaws, and that's just like not the
1: yeah. He's also kind of a uh reverse southpaw i guess because he loves conor mcgregor yeah he
0: loves conor mcgregor so he like he just copies all his moves uh and then has a much better head kick than than conor ran he, he's got pretty good kicks uh i i think that the him being so fucking fast is gonna be a problem for jeff neil but more so defensively defensively than uh than it, it is uh when it comes to stifling Jeff Neal's offense. I think he's going to land on Jeff Neal a good bit because he's so fast, but I don't think he's going to get away from Je- Jeff Neal because he's so fast.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. I just think he's going to stay in too many uh, 50-50 exchanges with Jeff Neal. I think he can have an like, a ton of success just dog-walking Jeff Neal with jabs and kicks. And I think he's capable of having the discipline to just like stick to that. I just have the inescapable feeling that Jeff Neal is going to fucking murk him at some point.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I struggled to to pick someone in this fight because I want to pick Jeff Neal,
1: but people are making pretty good arguments for Ian Gary. I absolutely see the arguments. I'm, I think Jeff Neal's probably the worst pick. It's just like it's just the vibe I'm getting right now. Maybe I just like Jeff Neal more than Ian Gary. Uh, it's not that I think Ian Gary's like bad or anything.
0: I'm gonna go against my instinct and pick Gary uh, to just throw a fucking shitload of one twos and head kicks and and keep the body or or like straight kick the body. That's fair. And also just be annoying and and try and be like, yeah, I'm an elite fighter. I can throw four punches around. Cause he's due for one of those. We we can't keep expecting him to. Like actually do shit in his fights because the Neil Magny fight was already pretty low pace relative to to what you'd expect a Conor fan to be. Every prospect that wants to to show good they are is like, yeah, this is my time. I'm going to become boring. So I'm picking that he is going to win the most boring fucking three round decision you'll ever see because he's not going to engage Jeff Neal and Jeff Neal's not going to engage him.
1: Oh yeah, you're right. Ian and Gary is totally just Aaron Till. Maybe no, I, I, there's actually a, a lot of potential for
0: action because uh, if Ian Gary gets hurt, it could start shit going crazy. Or Ian Gary could just like hurt Jeff Neal, maybe even uh, like just catch him with something real quick and then like get shit started. Uh, I, I could see this being a fight that, that makes Gary have to show some grit.
1: I expect it, even if he, he wins, which I, I I think is reasonably likely. Okay, so Morab Tvalishvili fighting Henry Cejudo. Really should just give Mirab a title shot, but why, why do they do that?
0: Why um, do that when you can give Chido Vera, who's, who does cool kick and elbow,
1: title shot? So... Mirab Dvalishvili obviously is going to shoot 9,000 takedowns in this fight and probably like not that many of them are going to work and if any of them do work then they're, they're probably not going to almost certainly not going to lead to any sustained control time. Um, I just have picked against Mirab Dvalishvili too many times because I just I keep expecting this shit to stop working at some point and it just doesn't. Um, I'm just kind of like what is Henry Cejudo going to do about Murad Dvalishvili just doing stuff all the fucking time. It's not like Henry Cejudo is like a crazy counterpunch or anything. And obviously he's insanely hard to take down, but I think pretty sure he still got like taken down by Aljamain Sterling at some point um and just generally like kind of pace and volume bullied by Aljamain Sterling who's not exactly known for doing that. I think Aljamain Sterling is a slightly more like Subtle and crafty striker than Marab is. But I think that's also just because he's his own, like, certain kind of head case and is really anxious and thinks about things too much. Mirab uh, really enjoys every aspect of fighting. And he was, like, effectively outstriking Piotr Yan for uh, significant portions of that fight just because he'd never stopped doing stuff. And uh, Piotr Yan just waited his turn the whole time. And every time he got taken down, he would just, like, do a nice scramble and get back to range. But it just meant he was, like, constantly resetting and stuck in a position of not commanding any initiative. Because he just couldn't stop Morab from doing stuff. What's Henry Cejudo going to do?
0: This fight favors Cejudo... Um being three rounds, definitely. I didn't even think about that. Well, it, it's not that he's someone that gets worse over five, or he, he just fights at a, a more moderate pace and tries to be technical. <laughs> like, whenever he's in a three-rounder and he's able to just go fucking hog wild, because he has crazy good cardio, but he he also, like, I mean, I, I feel like regardless of how good your cardio is, it's good to pace yourself, you know? It, you're a big issue with Marab defensively is that he's giving people constant looks and opportunities to hit him. So like tapering down your activity from where uh, Marab is, is normally a good thing, but you know how whenever something's so bad, it's good. Like in a, in a movie, it's kind of how his striking is like he, he throws so much uh, that it's, it's like bad, but he throws, is doing it so much that it, that kind of just works against a lot of people. Like if he fought Cheeto Vera, he'd probably get dropped once around, but he would also outstrike him like 98 to 1. Like that's how I would expect this the the striking dynamic to go. So in this one, Absolutely. I think that the fact that Moran pushes such a high pace is actually going to get uh who to come out of his shell a little bit more and, and throw back counters and and get him into the fight trying to be more aggressive <sighs> to take back initiative. Uh, like if he gets taken down, he, he likes to get a takedown back if someone does have some grappling success with him. Uh, even if someone doesn't get the takedown, he's like, hey, you shoot a takedown on me, bitch. I'll shoot one on you. Uh, I, I'm not seeing anyone talk about what if Suhudo tries to grapple with Marab which is a fair enough chance. He, he likes to wrestle people. He's a fucking gold medalist.
1: Yeah, I mean, Marav's just also a fucking insane scrambler himself. Yeah, I'm not expecting him to try and get grappling success
0: against uh, Marab, more just show it. I think that's how it's going to be for both guys. I think the fight is... Neither is good enough at, at grappling people uh, to make up for how good they are at taking people down, you know? Yeah. Like they're both pretty good at getting people to the ground eventually. Uh Marab through just sheer attrition and having pretty good takedowns, and then Sudo through having fucking great takedowns. But I'm I'm expecting the fight to mostly just be a striking match where Marab is getting outpowered even though he's throwing volume. But again, I think the volume's actually gonna come to bite him in this one. Cause, you know, Marlon Rice threw a fucking shitload against Cejudo, and he gassed, yes, but he also got hit by some clean shit that like made him gas way faster. Marab is not opposed to fighting kind of tired. I think of it as he's really good at fighting tired, and he's got great cardio. Most people think of it as, oh, he's not even a little tired. He's slower in a fifth round than he is in the first round, even over three. like The Ricky Simone fight was a crazy pace. He slowed down. Like people think of slowing down as doing less. He does not do less. He just does everything he does slower.
1: But he still does
0: it. Yeah, he still does it. And that's very important. But I think that type of thing is actually really that uh, it bites you against someone like Cejudo.
1: Yeah, I just feel like you have to finish Marab. Yeah, Marlon Marias like basically knocked Marab out. But Marlon Marias is like uh, a really good counter puncher and like one of the hardest hitters in Batman weight history. And Marius was at a point in his career where he was absolutely going to die if he didn't get the job done early.
0: Well, sudo has got good shots, and, and he's pretty dangerous in the clinch. I think the the knees he was able to land on Cruz were something that would work in this fight. Rob likes to duck. He, he likes to get real close to getting knee in the face. He also has pretty bad ring craft uh, if his off if his volume isn't keeping him in the center. It normally does keep him in the center, but I don't expect him it to stop Suhudo Cejudo if Suhudo's trying to get him to the fence cuz Sudo will occasionally try and get you there just to to get something done or or just just say variety. <laughs> like he'll he'll try and give you another look by getting you over to the fence and then like shooting a a takedown or trying to punch you a couple times and letting you off. I think that Marab is, is liable to be put into a fight that makes him look bad. Because if he's getting like pancaked to the floor every time he shoots a takedown for like two rounds and all of his offense on the feet is getting mostly defended just by range or getting countered back the whole time. Uh, or, or if the fight turns into a war, I think that Cejudo comes out of that better or better off. Also it's hard to imagine that the the Sterling fight wasn't like the, the slowish pace wasn't kind of just a result of Suhudo taking some time off prior.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I just um I need to see something else from him, you know.
0: I get what you mean completely. I I think that Mrab actually has some okay chance of of getting success on top. I wouldn't be that surprised. Uh Cause he he likes to just fucking cling to the position if uh you give him a really good entry and Cejudo's striking leaves him with some pretty good entries and, and Rob's got good timing on those so I could see and he just shoots so many that you know throwing enough shit out there something will stick you know
1: yeah I'm gonna pick Murab by decision I don't mean to undersell Henry Cejudo I think it's still gonna be a competitive fight throughout. Uh, I, I think Suhudo's going to get plenty of success. Uh, I think he's just going to get put a step behind, and I don't think he's that likely to get a finish.
0: Yeah, I'm going to pick Cejudo by knee in prob- like the second or third round.
1: Yeah, they need to do Mirab versus Corey Sandhagen because 100% Mirab gets hit with that flying knee. <laughs> uh,
0: after, like, takedown 86.
1: Okay, so we got, opening the main card, we got Anthony Hernandez versus Roman Kapilov. Now, this is a fucking middleweight fight.
0: Yeah, why is this the one that doesn't get a main event?
1: Yeah, this fight slaps. I will say, though, Roman Kapilov, as good as he has been looking, he has not for anyone who has any inclination to wrestle him since he lost his first two fights in the UFC against Carl Robeson and Albert Durayev. So... It's like, has he gotten better or has he just fought the strikers who are worse than him? Anthony Hernandez has kind of just been like instantly wiped out on the feet before. But I think Roman's, a, I think he's a slower builder than that. He likes to, you know, show people stuff and set shit up. I'd be surprised if he just like walks up to Fluffy and just wipes him off of the face of the planet. wouldn't be that surprised. I guess it could happen. But... um yeah, Fluffy's just a fucking maniac, and if he gets you to the ground, I think it's gonna be a much worse time than it was against uh Albert or Carl Roberson. So I am going to pick Fluffy Hernandez for his second round like arm triangle submission after getting like kinda of torched on the feet for a couple of minutes and getting a crazy slam out of the clinch and just, like, beating the fucking breaks off of Roman.
0: I'm going to pick Hernandez to get a really good opportunity in the first round to, to get a takedown or, or, like, a back take and then just leverage that to a finish by the end of the first. Like, I think Kapalov's pretty good. I just don't think that Kapalov has the, like, defensive uh, moxie to, to stop himself from just getting... Tagged by a single shot to set up a takedown than get put on his back.
1: Yeah, it's hard to see. Okay, so I asked you before we started recording and you weren't sure. So have you decided are you picking Amanda lamosh by knockout or Mackenzie Dern by submission?
0: I'm going to pick Dern by submission. I think that she has a better chance of getting knocked out and then winning by submission than Lamush has of getting submitted and then winning by knockout. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'm going to pick Lamosh by knockout because Mackenzie Dern looked fucking terrible against Jessica Andrade. Um, Had had a whole change in her corner and training situation and just um, looked like she didn't know how to fight and got dropped like nine times.
0: Me picking Mackenzie Dern is is me testing out a theory that Mackenzie Dern is just completely random, whether or not she looks good and there's nothing like... Analytically you can do to guess whether or not she's gonna have a good performance based on the matchup because she's not necessarily matchup dependent as she is not good enough to win any matchups like consistently unless it's like a just full-on like unless she's basically fighting a can Uh, but everyone else there's a 50-50 chance of her looking like she shouldn't even be ranked or her looking like she should probably get a title shot in the next couple fights.
1: Oh yeah, she like like I don't think it was unreasonable to pick Angela Hill to beat Mackenzie Dunn. There was no way of anticipating Mackenzie Dunn to just like, like suddenly have the performance of a lifetime and then look like she doesn't know how to fight uh, in the fight immediately after that.
0: Yeah, and in the same way like the Marina Rodriguez fight, she looked fucking terrible. She she just has fights where she looks bad sometimes. She's she's just inconsistent. <laughs>
1: Well, but that one was also, like, she got Marina Rodriguez down, did everything she wanted, but couldn't get a submission. I think just, like, kind of mentally broke from that experience because she was so dependent on that finishing the fight.
0: Well, yeah, even in the fight, she's inconsistent because she could just be like, oh, I'm not going to do good anymore. Or she'll, she'll. well, she's way less likely to start being good than she is to to start being bad.
1: Yeah, I I do think the fight's going to be a first-round finish no matter what because... Uh, I just do not trust Lemos to not just like get bowled over and end up in a silly ground position where she gets caught with some fuck shit uh, if she doesn't just knock Mackenzie Dern out in the first few exchanges, which is entirely possible because Mackenzie Dern is so hittable. And not just that, she gets... she. <laughs> She is in horrible positions with her feet all over the place and not looking at her opponent uh, while well, she's getting hit completely ch- clean on the chin. Uh, she's tough as fuck, but you, that's not something you want to be relying on against like a, a sharp, accurate hitter like Amanda Lemosh. I'm going to pick Lemosh by knockout.
0: If Duren loses, she's probably getting like single collar tie uppercutted or... Or, like, framed on, then straighted as she's trying to, to cling to a clinch.
1: Or just, like, a big right hand as she's just, like, fucking marching in with her chin up in the air. It stumbles back and then gets head kicked, like... That, too. Or
0: uh, gets pushed back for half a second and just gets a huge straight as she tries to check hook and just gets spun around. The fight might just look like Nunez versus Ronda.
1: Oh, it really could.
0: Just someone that's... You know, a good grappler, but not great at getting to the entries on the feet or or getting the takedown. Yeah, against uh, you know, people that have the tools to to defend against it. And then someone that hits really fucking hard and has long arms, good counters. Both named Amanda.
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh, the rest of the card is perfectly fine. It, it is it is uh, okay. Some fights that we might talk about if they were on Apex main cards, you know. Yeah,
0: and we'll we'll mention it in the recap if they were good.
1: So I guess real quick we can do uh, last week's card: Jack Hamanson uh, getting the upset against Joe Pfeiffer. I, mean, I think we, I mean, we both pick Hamanson for just being a crafty dog who's tough and adaptable enough to outsmart, uh, inexperienced bagger like Joe Pfeiffer. Like, you know, Pfeiffer rolled up to Hermansen and pushed a big pace and tried to wipe him out and didn't get it done in the first two rounds and then just kind of got tooled by uh, a, a well-rounded, uh, seasoned veteran of the sport.
0: Pretty much what we said would happen happened, right?
1: Yeah, pretty much. At least we got this just one right. Like,
0: I, I just didn't expect Pfeiffer to get it, like... I didn't expect Piper to look so fucking good the first round. Piper looked great the first round. Uh, his, his counters looked really nice. His timing was fucking wonderful. His mechanics looked really crisp. Uh, throughout the whole fight, he remained very composed.
1: Uh, I don't think Joe Piper's done or anything.
0: Oh, I thought it was a great look for him. I do have a much better appreciation for him now that I've seen him. Uh, people are calling it a fraud checking, which... I get what you're saying if you're coming at it from the perspective of if everyone thought that he's as good as the UFC does. But I've seen fucking no fans saying that Piper's like the, the next coming of or like the next god of striking. I just see the UFC say it and the UFC try and try and push that. Like Jack Dillon Maddalena has way more hype than Joe Piper if you have your ear to the ground.
1: Yeah, I think fraud check is unfair. This is what I call a prospect loss. Yeah. I expect Joe Piper to still be a fun action fighter and uh, probably have get some a lot good better. fights in this division and probably get a lot better and ha- And clearly has a, a lot of potential. And, still, you know, he's still pretty young, isn't he? Yeah, and he, he was saying all the right
0: things. He was disparate. He was saying, fuck you, haters. After the fight, he was like, yeah, I got jabbed in the eye real hard. Fucking hurt. That shit sucked. Good to Hermanson. He's lost before, you know, like the, like no reason to expect this will crumble him.
1: Okay, uh, co-main event, we definitely did not get this one right. Uh, definitely underplayed the possibility that Dan Ige just instantly wipes Andre Feely off of the face of the planet with a single punch.
0: It's it's like I wanted to pick Ige, but every time I talk to you about Andre Feely, you convince me that Andre Feely is going to win. And you made so many good points, and you were right for, like, a minute and a half.
1: The problem was, I, I really looked at it as one of these, like... Oh, yeah, sure, Andre Philly can win this fight if he has a perfect Andre Philly performance. Well, I don't know why would I why would I expect him to do that. Uh, he's a guy who, even if he has that advantage at a longer range, he still just like is going to want to step into the pocket and like land a big shot. And he's just so counterable when he does that. Um, one, I think the fact it, that they apparently backwards? have a...
0: Like he was, I think he was doing a defensive jab and just like he just stepped in real hard with the right hand.
1: Yeah. Also, the the layer that we uh, weren't wise to going in that apparently they'd sparred a bunch together and these two. I think the commentary kind of talked about it. They definitely have the kind of dynamic where inspiring Andre Feely would kind of tool Danny Gay, but Danny Gay would get a load of opportunities to knock Andre Feely out if they were going full force. That he was probably just like super keyed into. It seemed like they were kind of bummed to have to fight each other.
0: Yeah, so that part's rough, but it was probably like the coolest knockout Danny Gay's ever gotten. I think I, I finally like him somewhat.
1: It was a nice knockout.
0: As, as long as he's fighting while his wife is thirty-seven weeks pregnant, he said after the fight. Oh, I guess I got to go get my wife pregnant
1: again. Just uh, keep winning by first-round counter right hand. Just have like nineteen
0: kids, and and, and get. Like undisputed goat status,
1: Andre Feely has just uh kind of been routinely chin throughout his career, but just for a long time had the durability and the toughness to to uh, get through it, and still did against you know he got hurt real bad in the Nathaniel Wood fight, and still uh, had a lot of success after that.
0: And, and he's been knocked out recently too.
1: Yeah, this is this kind of shit's just going to start happening more. You know, he got waxed in like 40 seconds by Joanderson Brito, you know? Um, what else was good on this card? Oh, Gregory Rodriguez wiped out Brad Tavares. It was kind of predictable, but at least he, like, made it look cool. That's the most you can hope for. It's yeah, just a nightmare matchup for Brad Tavares because, uh, like, Gregory Rodriguez is just so counterable, but Brad Tavares just, just is incapable of like actually hurting people with his hands so so you know uh hobo cops just able to keep coming forward and just like planting to land fucking huge shots uh you know Michael Johnson Michael Johnson got it done against Darius Flowers kind of a whack fight Hudolph Vieira got a nice arm triangle over Armand Petrosian I,
0: Ihor Potier is, like kind of good now that too
1: kind of he he is I wasn't very he's good
0: way better at middleweight the third round was pretty good. It was okay. Or second round was pretty good. Uh, Potieri it, it just went from being like actively bad and uh, kind of wondering why he's even in the UFC, or or getting the opportunities to like fight shot people and and get a get a free knockout.
1: That was like the most likely person who possibly could have lost to Shogun at that point. Is just Shogun was that shot?
0: Yeah, it's just a, just a weird person to for them to, to kind of give a push.
1: Uh, well, they had to give him a push because he knocked out Shogun when he was supposed to be. Yeah, well, what I'm getting at is he, he was
0: very bad, that, and now that he seems to be kind of good because he'd be like an actual prospect. Uh,
1: no, you're right. He's, he's definitely gotten a lot better. Yeah, he he is slow,
0: I think, phys- like physically slow, but he's gotten a lot better at uh, being quicker with landing shots. He had a really fucking nice check hook uh, at one point, I believe in the second round. Uh, and he, he adapted to his opponent's defense pretty well. His opponent uh, also just couldn't discourage Potieria. So it, it showed like a, maybe like a mental stride that Potieria's has done.
1: Yeah. Uh, Carlos Pilates did uh, knee teeps into left body kicks and then knocked the Trevin Giles out with a single left hand. Wasn't like the like the highest pace fight or anything. He didn't like go out there and fuck Trevin Giles up. But he showed some like slick moves and got a real nice one punch KO. Uh,
0: Loma Look Boonmi decision winner Brazil. That's that's it for the card. Other other fights were like fine. A couple of them sucked, but.
1: Yeah, I mean, Margin Pratnio versus Devin Clark was one of the worst fights I've ever seen. Uh, Daniel Marcos versus Arichi Leng was a, a banger for a round and a half until they just, like, kicked each other in, in the nuts until the fight ended. The card was absolutely fine. Okay, I guess we're going to get out of it. What the fuck is the card next week? Yeah, I guess we're going to get out of it now. Uh, we'll catch you guys next week where we'll be recapping... All of the stuff from UFC 298 uh, as well as next week's fight card. We got uh, Fight night in Mexico with uh, Brandon Moreno versus Brandon Royville. Yaya Rodriguez versus Brian Ortega. Also a rematch, five rounds. And then all of the Mexican guys in the UFC. Should be a good one. We'll see you guys then. Peace. Later. What'd you say, little fighter boy? Nothing, Beverly. Yeah, just I'll talk- see you in court, I'm talking mate. about my veggie garden. Oh, Sorry no, man.
0: Trust Run me, trust me. Run back crazy.
1: to silly crazy. little hexagon.